Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 265. We have not one but two guests today in the form of Heather and Jono from Melbourne band Cry Club. The incredible duo released their brilliant record Spite Will Save Me on Friday and they're joining us on the pod today to discuss the making of the record. We also featured their song Get Up on our brand new sibling podcast, This Song Radio, which is exclusively on Spotify. We launched it on Monday and it's a show where we can showcase new music, have roundtable discussions about important topics and have an outlet where we can talk to other creatives about the state of the music industry in 2023. You can find the link to that show in our episode show notes which is where you'll also find all of our socials like Insta, TikTok, and YouTube. If you're not already, go follow us across our socials and follow this brand new show as well. Our guest today is Cry Club. They are a genre-bending duo from Melbourne, Australia, who make what they describe as queer bubblegum punk music. Having burst onto the scene in 2018, they caught the nation's attention with their debut record in 2020 with God, I'm Such a Mess. That record found itself nominated for Air Awards and a Music Victoria Award, and it showcased the music of Cry Club to a whole new legion of fans. Last week, they returned with their second full-length record, which is titled Spite Will Save Me, which is a strong contender for my favourite title of a record this year. It sees a slightly heavier progression in the band's sound, but has not lost any of the fun or camp nature of what the band does best. In today's episode, we have Heather Riley and John O'Took from Cry Club on the podcast to talk about recording this new record in lockdown and how they wanted to try and experiment with their sound. We discuss working with Alex from Kingswood and how queer icons of the past also helped find this new iteration of Cry Club. We also discuss how they're heading out on the road across August and September. We're heading to their Adelaide show and you should go see them as well, regardless of what city you're in. The tour dates for Cry Club, along with details on where you can buy Spite Will Save Me, can be found within today's show notes. And we want to say a massive thank you to Amber from Inside Out Agency for her help with this episode. Here is our conversation with Cry Club. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Jono and Heather from Cry Club. Hello, how are we? Good. Yeah, great. Just super excited to be on. I've been listening to the podcast this morning, so I'm like, 
I get to be on it now. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Ready to go. Very exciting to hear. Who, um, out of curiosity, who did you pick to listen to? I was listening to the Katie Steele episode because I grew up on Little Birdie. So I've got to do that one. Nice. I'm always slightly worried. Sometimes people say that they listen to it in preparation and I'm worried that it... I'd like to think we don't put out bad content, but, you know, not everything can be a winner. So <laughs> I'm glad to hear that that was, um, that was a good one. Well, no, thank you both for coming on. It's exciting. Uh, it's a ex- very exciting time for Cry Club. There is a brand new record out at the moment. It is called Spite Will Save Me. Firstly, congratulations on this brilliant record. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yeah. <laughs> Horns up. Fucking wrong. It's out. Horns up for this record. Um, it is a brilliant record, but I would love to just, I guess, firstly touch on the title and where that came from. Honestly, we we have this thing with titles where we always want our titles to be like really representative of the music. And our first record, we'd had that title for so long. And then the title for this one took forever. We spent like... Uh, probably a year after the album was actually recorded, do we, we finally land on the title? And I can see I've got like a <laughs> Apple Note thing that's like filtering down to the title, and I hit that, and then I think I called Heather, being like, "I think I've got it! I think I've got it! Finally, yeah. it's been years!" Yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah. We always wanted to have a mix of like the like tongue in cheek, like what is the like thesis statement of the album, um, and. Yeah, how we're feeling, I think mm. a lot of the time is like it's a snapshot, specifically the title of like the moments of writing the songs. Yeah. It's like the the feeling of like us being in lockdown and we kind of having these moments of like all these negative experiences that we were able to kind of like um, kind of explore the emotions of those in the safe space, which was writing songs and going through those feelings in the music. So it was a thing where it's like, hey, maybe the fantasy uh, that's involved in all the anger of this, like just living our fantasy best lives is actually the thing that's kind of getting us through this moment. <laughs> so, it, yeah, kind of a really yeah. good reflection of the writing process, actually. Yeah, we had a bit of bad luck as well, like leading up to and then 2020 and lockdowns and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, leaning into that, like especially with spite, I think we knew we wanted it to be something like, <laughs> yeah, kind of like, uh, like bratty and... Yeah, but also something like quite theatrical. Like I think the Lingua Ignota record that came yeah. out, she's got the best titles. It's just like like amazing. Like they feel like names of like classical art pieces that are like horrifically violent. And I'm like, oh, that's such an awesome aesthetic. I'm like, can yeah. I have just can I have a little bit of that, please? <laughs> Well, what was it? I read one article on the new record where I think you were quoted as saying, and so please correct me if I'm wrong, you were quoted as saying if the first record was related to queer joy, then this was about wrath. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like there's so much that is involved, you know, with like queer pride and like um, all of the, everything that comes along with it and... um, there's like the running joke of like July being queer wrath month. Um, <laughs> like immediately followed by pride, like which other sins, you know? And yeah, it felt so fitting. <laughs> yeah, I think a huge one is like the the framing of um, like 
queer pride is like there's so much queer music that I interact with is like very like bubblegum pop. And I love that world. I absolutely adore it. But then um, the amount of like queer rock things that are like heavy guitar music or like quite aggressive, not necessarily just guitars, <laughs> but it feels like that space um, doesn't have a lot of people in it or not as many people in it. Like when you think queer music, you think like big diva pop stars and it's like, I, I want to think about like the rock stars hmm. of queer music, mm-hmm. you know? 100%. I think even, um, I'm trying to think of a few examples now, even the ones that border on the edge of rock, uh, we've had them on the podcast and we've filmed some stuff with, uh, with them, the very kind people. Uh, we had Muna on the podcast and oh, they're God. lovely. Obsessed. But, um, yeah, lovely and incredible haunt up for Muna. But um, <laughs> they, almost what you're saying is that like they still rock and pop. And I feel that there isn't maybe enough representation within just that pure rock world, which is in, which I personally love what Cry Club is doing with this record because you are definitely pushing a slightly heavier sound this time around, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> it's something we were kind of, I think just the the over the course of exploring writing in lockdown, we were having the experience of pushing in so many different directions that when we were looking at all the songs that we had at the other side of it, it was a case where we could have had like a record that touched every base possible where it's like, oh, all these wide genre experiences. But I think um, we saw like a couple of records came out around the end of 2020 um, that felt very kind of listless in terms of the, how intentional they were. Like it felt like they could have been more direct. And there was a few ones where I was like, oh, that's what could happen if we aren't as, if we don't make as clear of a statement is that we risk diluting what we're saying. So I think for us steering into like, essentially we a process of curating the songs that were the rock songs and going like, what if this is a record on its in itself out of the big pool of like, I think we wrote like 60 something songs in lockdown out of that pool, here are like 10 of the rock songs. And that felt really kind of comfortable together. Yeah. And we, um, we did quite a lot of touring as well. We were like flat out, Mm. um, like end of 2019, like start of 2020. And, um, there's always this thing we like, we try sometimes, um, I think like as a cost saving measure, we'll drive a lot where we can. Um, and there's always like the weird part of like six hours into a, a 10 hour drive. And it's like, all right, bring out Judas Priest. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it too. We've been listening to like a lot of Judas Priest as well and being like so funny that there's like such a queerness in that. But Well, he, the singer of that band being someone who came out so long after the, like... I, I can't remember when it was that he came out, but like you look back at the music and it's so easy to see queerness in it. And mm. it's just like, oh, it would have meant so much. Like, it's great that he's out now, but I can't imagine what it would have meant to younger audiences it, during the peak of Judas Priest to be able to go like, yes, like it's someone I can look up to. Mm. 100%. I, I would love to know, I guess, in relation to the recording of the album and then whittling it down just a second ago you mentioned that there was six I think you said 60 odd tracks that could have made a record Mm. how do you 
determine, and I guess it is not difficult, it might be easier with two members rather than if the band was with four or five, but how do you, what's the democracy like within the band that you're able to choose what songs work on the record and what makes that final cut? I think we're kind of blessed in that, yes, we're two people in a band, but we share exactly one brain cell. <laughs> so it's it's very rare that we have creative differences. And quite often, most of the time we have like differences. It's we've just misspoken. Yeah. <laughs> and- so I can't think of a single like big disagreement Yeah, we've had. And it, it's like we both, um, I think, definitely know when there's a song that's like, this is done, you know, send it off, like, that's cool, um, versus like, this isn't quite what we want to say yet. Like, it's it feels like a draft version. There's something missing, but it goes into the, like, recycle pile and then we we pull stuff out of it. There's, um, there's a few songs that were written around the same time as everything else, which it was just one song that had this, like, hectic guitar on it that we loved but it wasn't quite working and then we took the guitar out and then kind of sampled it a bit and like messed around with it and then out of that came like three or four new songs from just that one guitar part and so it's kind of hard like we have to like call it at some points but Mm. we're usually pretty it's pretty easy to agree on when it's done yeah as well like I think our bar of when a song is done is like uh, I think our, the friends that I've shown our material, like our demos too, and stuff like that, they're just like your standard of something being done is like crushingly high. <laughs> yeah, is kind of the thing where we always want to make sure that like the quality of the songwriting alone has to carry the weight of everything. So that means that you know. It, let's say it was like, I can't remember the exact number, but let's say it was 60 for the new record and a bunch of them might have been like pure pop songs. A bunch of them might have been a bunch of other things. The process of landing on these 10 would have been, here are the 10 songs, like here in the rock world, here are the 10 songs where they're most happy with. And let's just, like it's essentially that like, uh, you know, the kill your darlings thing of like, mm. if a song it was like 90% good, oh, sorry song, you're staying in the recycling pile. <laughs> yeah. And then even the songs we do save, we kind of go in with like the scalpel, like yeah. which bits can we chop out of you? And like, how do we, <laughs> what can we cut out of this? Is there too much? Um, there's the first song get up is the only song I think ever where we've added more time into the song. Yeah. That was an interesting one where we're so used to like being like such strict editors of our music and then working with our producer on this record, Alex, he was like, nah, you just let it, let it hang out for a second. Just live in the world a bit. And we're like, we're allowed to do that. Like coming from the pop world where it's like, (laughs) unheard of. you just got to get to it quick. (laughs) (laughs) You did work with, um, as you mentioned, Alex from Kingswood on this record. And yeah, what, from what I read was that, uh, I guess in those moments he, not pushed, but I wanted to say allowed you to try those different things. And I realise that's a very cliche line to use, but almost allow yourself to to go to any thought that you had and thought maybe we could push it to 11. He was like, yeah, sure, go do it at 11 and see where it lands and see where it possibly goes from there. Yeah, it was it was a completely different experience working with him compared to Gab on the first one. Um, there was a real, um, 
Yeah, kind of like, like cowboy energy. Alex in general has a, <laughs> a big cowboy energy, which is great because yeah. it's like um, everything doesn't have to be so um, like strict and um, like perfectly cut and um, yeah. like dialed in to the to the millisecond. It's like, what if we just did this? Like we got all these guitars. Yeah. Let's play some of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like very fun. <laughs> there, like so much of it was about like capturing the specific moment working with him where it's like, I think we can get dialed into such of the micro that uh, like uh, the hand, sorry, stutter. Uh, the having the hand of a producer is really handy for us to actually see the macro of the song a bit mm. where we're so dialed into every <laughs> single word, every single note on the guitar, bass and drums that we're like, hmm, what about this? And he helped us really like zoom out and go like, oh, okay. But a huge one and it shows, it's shown up over the course of doing the first record and over the course of doing this one, which was the idea of like so much of what we've gotten from these people is them telling us to just trust our own instincts and to just like the times where we second guess ourselves are the times that they have to step in. Mm. Is the the moments mm-hmm. where we're like, oh, we, uh, but what if, what if, what if someone else thinks something about this? And then each time someone has to come in and go, like, no, you're fine, guys. Literally, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I personally kind of love that. I think that it is. Well, there's. <laughs> Obviously, producers have their role within the industry and in what well, they do, but they're obviously working with you as well because they know that you know what you're doing, if that makes sense, that there's a confidence in the music that, that both of you are writing. I would love to, um, I guess, know where the two of you began writing together, where that um, first spark of Cry Club kind of began. <laughs> the first time it kind of didn't happen yeah i sent heather some demos that i was like here are some instrumental demos like let's let's write some music together and then heather got like too anxious about it i like never opened them um <laughs> they were good i should find them i think i uh, i think i listened to them but yeah. like i i'm not a songwriter like i i we met in uni because i was doing acting um and had like a lot of singing training but I'd never really like written anything it was mostly like theater stuff um but yeah I like just offhandedly wanted to start like a cure cover band and I was like like, yeah (laughs) no no we we have a thing we could do I I, I just didn't think I could write songs but Jono was like you're gonna come to my house and we're gonna sit down and like I'll show you what I've got. What do you think? Here's how it works. Yeah. Um, it's my only experience writing songs is like this thing that we do, which is <laughs> like sitting down with, um, <laughs> yeah, like instrumental tracks and like going from there. Yeah. I think a huge one was like a kind of similar with the production thing about like trusting yourself. There's a thing that happened with us where it's like, I come from a background of playing in a bunch of bands and having all the experiences of playing shows for like since I was a teenager and playing in bands and navigating all of that sort of stuff, which has kind of imparted like certain skills coming from that. But then Heather coming into the space, not having that background, but having the huge talent in terms of vocal performance and also just in general performance, like on stage is something that a lot of people in bands don't necessarily have. So 
it was kind of like a great, like the weaknesses that are on my side perfectly complement Heather's strengths and vice versa. So it was one of those, like we started writing songs and then essentially I turned around to all the other bands I was playing with and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to be busy. So I'm just letting you know now that I'm going to step back from this like a little bit. I'm still going to play the shows, but like I'm not going to be organizing stuff because I'm going to be busy doing this. Yeah. And it's. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yeah, it's it's very very strange. I like still have no idea it i feel like i'm gonna get found out you know um but it's <laughs> I, I i guess in the end it's just like that communication like what a, a key part of it is like listening to it and be like how do we what do we feel when this happens what do we want to do with this like what do we want to say what is and like kind of working backwards i guess um it's a really nice a really nice process like and over time like i've been confident to have input on like other elements of it too not just like the top line um like I bullied Jono into that guitar solo in in somehow I was like it's <laughs> gonna have one like you know what I mean like yeah. and so yeah I, I think it's like the interesting place of um being able to like being trained on the theory of doing something versus like um just going with gut instinct yeah. Um, like I think yeah. you're, you've got such a clear line into that gut instinct of whether or not something's right or wrong yet. And I think that's such a useful tool to have in the band because there's this kind of driving force that's like, I it's some like for any like technical or theoretical reason, something could be right about the music, but then it's wrong because it's just not done yet. And just having constantly between the two of us, the idea of like, if it can get better, we'll find it. We'll like we'll f- we'll find the solution to the problem. It might take us a while. Some a song might sit there unused for a handful of years, but we'll end up figuring it out because the two sides of what we bring to the table balance each other out. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I I don't think there's many excuses for condoning bullying, but I think that that is one of the positive <laughs> cases that we will <laughs> we will listen to. <laughs> Bullied into being there, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> is there a song on the record that obviously it, it is the the band's baby child, whatever you kind of want to refer to it as, and you never want to play favourites, but is there a song or a track that you hope resonates with the audience now that it is out? Wildfire? 
Yeah, I think wildfire would be really fun. Yeah. Um, I think a huge one for that is it kind of, I think it's hard to describe because that song exists in a space for me where it's like probably the most risky song in terms of its compositional structure where I look at it and go, Mm -hmm. with that song, we lose a lot of the safety net of structure that we have in our other songs that like we hit the chorus of wildfire and it doesn't hit in the same way as a lot of our other songs do. So it feels like a risk to us. Like the safety net is not there with that song um, in a way that makes it really exciting, but also kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, uh, I think it's pretty raw as well. Um, yeah. It's the one that I've been, um, I was a little bit scared, you know, I'm like, this is the one I, I would like, this is, the 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 one I have the most um big whirlwind of emotions about um hope you like it um <laughs> yeah it it feels weird to like have a less like like big chorusy chorus on it and um the the slow build of it too the weird like that weird synth thing yeah I, I'm obsessed with that in the <laughs> after the first line. chorus I'm like this is the best thing. <laughs> Yeah, um, a, yeah, a huge one as well is like the tempo of it being like so different to what we normally yeah. do. It's kind Stuff of seasick. Like yeah. I realise that what I'm about to say now sounds like I'm sucking up. What my, my next question was, was I was going to ask if I might be selfish um, to talk about my favourite track on the record, which does happen to be right near the end. It also happens to be Wildfire. Yes! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but so it looks like there is, or it can only count one person, but still, um, <laughs> this this track I just found, yeah, <laughs> um, sonically, I want to say sonically arresting. It is different from the other tracks on the album. As you mentioned, the tempo is different. Uh, the drums and the vocal delivery, I just kind of found myself kept, I kept coming back to the track time and time again. Um if, if you wouldn't mind, I guess, talking through the inspiration of that song or where that song kind of was built from. Okay, so this one has like a very clear lineage for me, which is like in lockdown, I was having the experience of like trying to uh, you like essentially go like, okay, nothing, I can't do anything today, but I'm going to like kind of look, like look at these songs that I really love and try and figure out how they work. And... It resulted in like tons of instrumentals that were essentially experiments into different fields. And a huge one for me was listening to uh, this Irish noise rock band called uh, Gilla Band. They changed their name to Gilla Band. And there's a, a, a rhythmic push to their music that I like associate almost with like German kraut rock music from the 70s. But... Mm-hmm. It's also so noisy and so incomprehensible in places and it's completely just out of pocket. And I felt like I figured out how this song, how this particular song of theirs worked and I was like, oh, I should try something like that. And then my attempt at it was just like such a swing and a miss. And But it had like a great mood to it and I was just like, I just don't know how to figure this out. And then Heather was like, oh, what if it just had like that like straight kick and snare from Closer by Nine Inch Nails where it's just boom, boom, across it. And I was like, 
oh my God, <laughs> of course. And the whole thing just like unraveled from there where it's like, oh, the noise rock thing, the Nine Inch Nails thing, the chorus reminds me of Portishead. Like all the pieces mm. just like fit together so immediately after understanding that like, oh, you could convert all of this noise into a song by balancing it out with something straight, like the kick and the snare. That was also the last addition to the album. Yeah. It, we, we had already been in talks with people, like with Alex and everything and planning to record the album. And we were like, what do you reckon about this one? Um, and they were like, are you joking? Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, the delivery is fun too, because that was a, and I remember very vividly Alex in the studio <laughs> being like, can you do it again and sound like more deranged? Like you need to sound extremely <laughs> deranged. Um, there was that f- photo of that possum that broke into a bakery and like ate everything. <laughs> they found it in the morning, just like <laughs> red eyed and it looked unhinged. He's like, you just have to go completely unhinged. And it's like um, lyrically, I think, interesting because there's like a, a hesitancy as well. I think that's part of the reason why I, I'm, I'm particularly nervous to show people because it is kind of like a... Um, I don't know. <laughs> like arrogance, not the right word, but it's so driven. I think it's, it probably embodies mostly like the spite mm-hmm. and it's like um, uh, apocalyptic almost. I think we had like pretty much the whole of the instrument, like instrumental part of it sorted before we started putting anything else on top of it. And it just, you know, it feels like expansive. It's like a wasteland. Um, and there was like, I don't know, in the back of my mind as well, because after the um, bushfires at the end of 2019 and the start of 2020, it's like this like low simmering, like climate anxiety too. And it, there's just this like back and forth of, um, you know, what uh, like n- nature and earth being like unstoppable and like wanting to mirror that like out of a sense of... Um, yeah, just climate anxiety too. Yeah. Like all of this anxiety about everything I have going on, like these are just like things that happen out of, you know, seemingly nowhere and they're devastating. And like that's the force of which I want to come at this, you know, like that's mm. how much like music and being able to do this like means like it's so hard to describe. Like all you can do is like point to, you know, like, a hurricane and be like that. <laughs> yeah. Like this idea of um, like it's it, we're, so much of doing music feels like we're having to like justify like not, not why we should do it, but just kind of like demonstrating to people the amount of care that we have in this and how seriously we take it and how um, much it means to us. Wildfire is kind of a song that exists as like, like the distillation of that where it's like it means so much to us and it gives us so much and it takes so much and it's this Mm. like balancing act there that having a song that feels so tense um but so powerful kind of exist like it's almost like a great reflection of that experience where it's like yeah you feel like you could take on the entire world and then also like it's so like at risk yeah it's a big, it's yeah. It's a lot to untangle. We're talking about it now. You you kind of don't realize there's so much in it until you start and then can't stop. 
Look, I very much appreciate whatever you are willing to share with us and what you have shared with <laughs> us. So thank you for um, for indulging me on that question. Um, I know that obviously I think you've both said in press uh, over the last few years that you never want to do the same kind of trick twice. It's always exciting when you look at those artists who have back catalogues that have different kind of projects, uh, not projects, but like you don't want to make the same album twice. Um, can we expect... And I know that we're talking about album two, so we don't have to half on it very long. Can we expect maybe more of those sonic soundscapes for album three, maybe? We've got, um, I think, a short list or like a long list of <laughs> songs already. <laughs> um, yeah. That, yeah. We're always pushing further. There's like, I think um, album one is like finding our feet and album two is like how far, like, you know, like testing the limits. Um, like, okay, like we um, thought somehow would be like jokey joke. Novelty, ha ha. And then, like, it be, then it turned into our most played song on Triple J. And then yeah. we're like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, we, when we come at things, we do it wholeheartedly um, with everything we got. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, this is like confirmation that it's worked. And so the third will most likely be the like more extremes, but more confident extremes yeah. a mix as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I saw someone talk about uh, a fan of ours who is in the press world said like, Oh, if you liked Robert Smith from album one, the, our single Robert Smith from our first record, then the new record is a, a record of songs like Robert Smith, where they're in that rock and punk world. And then I think about if I was to connect the dots between album two and hypothetical third one, I would probably point to Wildfire Mm. as the like, I would be a record of things that go into that place in the same way that album two is a record that follows from Robert Smith. Yeah. That is very exciting to hear. And (laughs) when album three, whenever that hypothetical album does come, uh, to fruition and you're promoting it obviously more than welcome to come back to the pod and we I can discuss that. further <laughs> <laughs> um, very quickly I know that you are heading out on tour as well in August and September in promotion of the album thank you for including Adelaide on the dates because sometimes we don't get to see all the bands but we will be there um, on your Adelaide date are you, are you looking forward to uh, being able to tour the album and bring these songs to people absolutely uh, something that kind of shows up with this is we never got to tour the first record. So of course. we tried so many times. We, we were in and out of lockdowns and we were, there were other bands who got completely unscathed by touring records, but we just got hit by everything along the way to the point where there's like the, the joke amongst our audience for a while of like the cry club curse where it's just like <laughs> we put in all of the effort and time and money that goes into setting up a tour and getting it to work. And then just like a couple of days before it goes like border closed. <laughs> and obviously for a fair reason, absolutely. But also just it's meant that we can't, we're kind of going into this experience, like not knowing what to expect because we don't have the previous version of things to compare against. We don't know what it's like to tour an album mm. because we spent like we we tried five or six separate times to do the first one and it just got nixed every step of the way. So now we're like, oh my God, what is this gonna be like? You know? Yeah. We did the album preview show um 
and it was very small, but it was such a good indication to like feeling people like screaming the songs back at us. We love doing support gigs, but um, there's, yeah, it, it just gets elevated when people are there, like to see you. Yeah. Um, and playing off that, you know, it, I get to look people in the eyes and uh, like yeah. <laughs> make that connection. And Adelaide especially, we um we were very, it was important to us to have Adelaide on there because um it's one of the cities that we've done pretty well in. Yeah, I feel like Adelaide and Adelaide kind of gets Cry Club in yeah. a way that's like really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, look, again, thank you very much. We will be there. We'll be, you'll see us somewhere, maybe not up the front, somewhere there. I'm a little bit older <laughs> with the, the horns up. But um, Amazing. <laughs> uh, look, both Jono and Heather, I appreciate you both um, very much coming onto the pod and having a chat with us. Congratulations on Spite Will Save Me, which is out now. But um, yes, thank you again. Yeah, thank you so thank much for having us. Thank you so much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.